Good morning. You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official untapped podcast. Your inside look into what's happening in the untapped community and the world of beer. I'm John, and a quick synopsis. Season one brought us Tim and Kyle and set the pace for Drinking Socially. Season two introduced John and Harrison. I'm happy to report we're back for season three. More mustache, more beer, more you. We've got some hopefully fun ideas in store for 2020, but honestly, just admitting the year in numbers makes me feel old. (laughs) So join us in having a great season three. And I'm Harrison. 2020, we've made it. We're in the future now. I'm sure hover cars and teleportation are just around the corner. So growing up, my elementary school had an event called 2020 Day, where you dressed up as the job you wanted to have as an adult, i.e. in 2020. I wanted to be a ghost, which is very morbid now that I look back, and I understand why my mom didn't allow it. Instead, I went with an EMT. Beer podcast host is a pretty close second to that, so I'm going to call it a win. Uh, Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about today and celebrate, so let's get to it. But first, Drinking Socially is released every other Wednesday morning. and can be found at podcast.untap.com. Or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Now, officially into season three. We're here. Harry, uh, one of the segments I was hoping to introduce or just kind of catching up with you. It's, yeah. it's been a couple of days since we've drank together. That's right. Uh, any good beers come your way over last weekend? Yeah, so my kind of trends from 2019 aren't showing any, you know, slowing down. I had some more Commonwealth uh, Brewing Company and Hopfly stuff this weekend. A smoked pills called Pass the Axe from Hopfly really uh, impressed me. Pilsners alone, obviously talked about this before on the podcast, tough beer because you can't really hide behind a lot of hops. It's got to be well-made. And then add to that the kind of smoked malt element, which can easily be overdone. It tastes like a ashtray or underdone, and you're complaining about where's all the smoke, but they like nailed it right in the middle where it kind of tastes like you were drinking a Pilsner at a campfire. And that was, but I wasn't there. I was inside in my pajamas enjoying it in the warmth of my home. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. Past the act from Hot Fly. Again, they keep impressing me on the lager side and the all the IPAs they do and stuff. Um, but, yeah, past the act, smoked pills. That was the highlight. That's a, that sounds really cool. Yeah, a, camp, a campfire that you don't have to get cold for. That's right. For my, yeah, <laughs> right. It's a campfire on a glass. But, again, it wasn't, yeah, not overly crazy or anything. And, again, it's super light beer to, to drop some smoke into, and they, they nailed it. I had a couple of beers at, we had our untapped holiday party a while ago, and that was maybe my last social outing. Um, I drank a couple of beers there. I I drank a couple of beers there, and I'd have Mm -hmm. to look at untapped to remember what they were. It was a a really good night. Um, But one thing I did want to recap was uh, how fun it was watching everybody post about their year in beer uh, here from Untapped, we were watching things on Twitter. We yeah, were watching things right. in the so in the social group on Facebook. Um, so it was really great to see people just kind of reflect on 2019 as we now welcome 2020. That's right. Uh, one cool thing uh, there they should still be running through today, January 1st. That's right. Is uh, you can see your stats like that all year long if you want to be an Untapped supporter. You get a couple of perks. 
Uh, they're running a coupon code, which, like I said, should be expiring today. It's YIB2019. That's going to give you 20% off the first year you're an untapped supporter. Very cool. And you'll have access to stats like that all year long. So you can really, so you can just nerd out right. like I do. Right. But yeah, the map, a lot of people are talking about the map. The map is very cool, especially if you travel around and drink a lot around the country, the world, you know, whatever you're doing for whatever reason to look back and see kind of where beer took you over the past year. Um, yeah, got a couple trips planned up for myself, so it'll be fun to look back and see that uh, in a year, but also follow along throughout the year as an untapped supporter myself now. But yeah, cool stuff. All right. Moving on to that, we tried to uh, we, we tried to find some uh, New Year's themed right. beers, right? Some some celebration beers. Initially, we were talking about maybe doing a brute IPA to mm-hmm. play on champagne, right? Um, Harrison, you were talking about a beer from Canada that uh, the the end of the world, La yep. de Mode, yes. Which yeah, again, classic beer from there. Yeah, talking about maybe doing something barrel aged and crazy. So. Got a cool, a couple of cool things lined up. Some of those things came true, kind of. Um, but to start, I think it was an, an obvious choice for us because um, the name itself, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, our special ale from Anchors. And this is the 2019 version. John's going to pop it up in for us. Classifies as a winter warmer. <laughs> 6.9%. Forty IBUs, and so this is a cool beer for many reasons. One of them is that it changes every year. Um, so the 2019 edition, they're quick to point out, um, slightly darker than the 2018 version of it. Um, oh yeah, look at that. Um, let me see. Here. As I'm pouring it out right. into the glass here, exactly. it looks in the black. glass. It's quite dark, but pouring it out, it's. Uh, this is listed as a winter warmer. The color, as I'm pouring it, reminds me of a, a brown, a double, sure. a dunkle. Super dark brown. Uh, but yeah, they're saying toasted caramel and coffee flavors, a supple hints of Mexican chocolate, rounded out with some herbaceous spices, uh, which sounds amazing. And they do always do like a cool illustration on the uh, bodily cheer of the Tree of Life, a Western arb. Arbor Vitae, which is like a just a pine tree, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, looks like a right. Christmas tree, right? Yeah. But this, yeah, but uh, cool little kind of story they share about it um, that these these evergreens that are kind of native to Northern California, where Anchor obviously is, um, used to be considered a, a, have medicinal purposes, hence the name the the Tree of Life that it, the nickname it was given. Um, and they uh, uh, nicely kind of end their summary of the beer, saying that Anchor Christmas Ale proudly wears this tree and symbolizes the start of a strong, healthy beginning to into a new year. So here we are, kicking it off right. Um, so let's get into this thing, John. Let's see what we got here. Happy New Year, Harrison. Happy New Year. Ooh, that's a good. That's a good nose. Um, not too, I don't pick up a lot of the herbaceous. I almost, ex, uh, whenever I hear that word, I think of something like Fernet Branca or, right, or sure. like, uh, right. th- this really smells funny. just like a, like a, like a, like a sweet Belgian double is what it, I'm, I'm thinking in my head as I look at it. Hmm. Ooh. Ooh. Huh. Definitely tickles the, the tongue. There's lots of, yeah, kind of like. Toffee, caramel things happening. A little bit of chocolate on the end as it keeps going. 
Interesting. Uh, hmm. For me, you're nailing this, Harrison. <laughs> as I drink bitterer than I would have expected yeah. in a world of sweet, dark beers. It has uh, a little bit of bitterness up front, which I think you hit it for me, toffee, caramel, and then the chocolateiness that comes uh, as it warms up it in really my mouth. It really shows up there almost out of nowhere where you're getting a ton of caramel and this like little chocolate push to finish it off. It's The mouth feels great too. So they're like, so for those who don't know, haven't had the pleasure, I mean, Anchor is known for their Anchor Steam Beer, which is also their number one checked-in beer on a tap. It's classified as a California Common and kind of like the benchmark for that beer, which is basically like a lager that can be fermented at warmer temperatures. And that's why it's called a California Common because California is a little bit warmer, made famous, I think, during the gold rush settlers or immigrants from Germany that were there brought the lager tradition with them, but made a beer a little bit different than like a nice clean Hellas. So anyway, that's anchor steam, but they're really good. Anchor itself is, um, and making dark beers. Their anchor Porter is like one of the best porters out there. So no surprise that this being on the darker side, um, they're on the wheelhouse here. This is, this is pretty cool. This is great. Mm. So as, a uh as a, as a bit more of a spreadsheet man myself, <laughs> the lore behind this beer I think is amazing. It's, um, I mean, Anchor's, I think, the second oldest brewery in, in the United States. Um, yeah, I mean, Yingling is what, like the, the oldest? Y- Yingling is the latest claim to the right. oldest, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Saranac or Matt or An- Anchor's been around no, for a Anchor's long time. has been around for a long time, right. And I know like in 1975 when... Fitz Maytag, who's kind of like the the seen as the father of Anchor beer. I mean, that's that's kind of when they're. I know they. I think, um, you know, uh, there might have been. It might have existed before in another name or ownership or something. But I think 1975 is the year a lot of people throw around for like the Anchor as we know it today, um, existing for the first time, which is pretty cool. I say I've been around for a while. And so one of the things like is a, a my my job before working at Untapped was, uh, you know, when you would walk into a retailer, I would help you find the right beer. Right. Which meant I had to have it um, and I had, to, I had to know how to find the right beer for you. Th- this involved for me just learning those kind of nuances. And, and this beer, uh, the, I mean, there could be a, a movie. It was first produced in 1975 so it's older than it's old enough to drink itself it's older than probably most of the people i know Mm -hmm. um and actually it was 65 it was 10 years before they have yeah he bought it from the company that owned it beforehand that had been around since 1896 and it was in it was bankrupt or going bankrupt and then yeah frederick lewis maytag or fritz as he's known to people in the industry bought this guy in 1965 anchor brewing and now yeah, kind of is what it is today. So he's owned it for going on sixty years, right. a little um, <clears> over. <throat> yeah, and this particular the I think the cool story about this beer is like Harrison alluded to the label. It's hand drawn every single year, and it's a different label every year, um, which is really cool. The illustrator uh, Jim Stitt has been the one that draws these labels every year mm-hmm. since nineteen seventy five. The recipe changes. It's a pretty closely guarded secret recipe. 
Um, but I think the th- this is this has been happening since 1975, and you look at brewers today that are doing single hop variants of a pale ale mm-hmm. and new adjuncts in a rotating IPA series, and these right. guys have been featuring that kind of style or mm-hmm. that kind of methodology in this beer for uh, years, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, they do a lot of open fermentation, which is really cool. So they have a lot, tons of like really old, um, which is amazing to, to do. And obviously takes a lot of, takes a amazing kind of sanitation SOP and, and stuff like that. But yeah, big open fermentation brewery. I don't think everything is, but most of their beers are open fermented. So there's tons of history there. Um, you know, so really that is a, it's something that, I don't know if it gets talked about enough, the breweries that are still, you know, surviving today that have been around for a long time um, and kind of, you know, weathered the storm, if you will, of the craft beer craze and and then kind of found a, a place in it. Because um, this is like, again, Ang- Anger Steam, even like I really like their California lager. They do a lot of really classics in their porter, as I mentioned, like beers very well. Um, that like brewers and industry people like know about, they can easily get behind and say like that is a a great beer. But they've done it you know, their own way for for yeah many years now, longer than most American craft breweries. And if you go back to when it really it truly began in '96, the first version of Anchor Anchor beer, um, yeah, like 100 and whatever year, 23 or so years. Uh, the the history of American beer is trumped by German and Belgian brewers. Sure, but easily. For us, right. I think this is a pretty cool story where we had, I don't know, what, five, 2,000 breweries open in the last couple of years. More than like, yeah, like a year or so. Yeah, it's been, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty wild now. Um, yeah, but these guys are still doing it and, and, and doing a beer like this that's been, you know, checked in so the, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I think I just saw uh, like more than 6,000 times uh, this month, which is fantastic. Um, I mean, that's some you know, impressive stuff. Ten minutes ago, right. as, I'm, as I'm drinking this with Harrison, um, some of the friends I have on Untapped, right? Uh, Seth is talking about how this has become kind of an annual tradition for him. Uh, Tony mentions the they have a new tree this year. I, I, it, I, for me, it's always really cool when it's you know it's always about the liquid inside the glass. But for crafts, I think it's it's also about the story that put oh, it yeah. there the first time. Yeah, especially with a place like this, it's got a story to tell. And for a beer like this, it changes. A little bit every year, we can get in here and kind of you could sell her some of these things if you wanted to, or just again each year drink it and kind of not be quite sure what to expect. Know that it's going to be good and have a ballpark of what it may taste like, but have that kind of surprise every year you have it. That is, uh, I mean, that's that's awesome. So, um, yeah, absolutely, definitely something that I'm pumper drinking now, and it's one I I it's not part of my tradition yet of having every year, but easily could be and should be um, as available as it is and as good as they are as a brewery um, because you don't see a lot of their other beers, or at least we don't that often. So got to grab it when you you see it. And I I haven't seen it yet this year, 
um, Harrison was kind enough to bring this beer tonight. Mm-hmm. But yeah. in the past, mm-hmm. I've seen this beer uh, in like Magnum bottles with sure. cork oh, yeah. tops on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I think for me that I would I would love if this was part of my Christmas tradition. A new beer, we it's, it's approachable. It's not too over the top bitter or sweet. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, it tastes on this as it warms up and we kind of drink through it. Yeah. Um, the bitterness gets me in the front of the palate every mm-hmm. single time, yeah. but it's it not, it's not, it doesn't scare me away. No. It's just, it, it, it's, it's a just clean there. beginning. Yeah. It's very piney too. It's like pine, yeah, pine, pine hops coming through here, big time piney hop uh, flavors, which is, uh, which is great. Yeah. Just like just said, you said that and have another sip of it after it's been warmed up and opened up for a bit. Tons of pine now, but again, not overpowering, not crazy. It's not very bitter. It's more just like that pine flavor. Very smooth. One of Man. Uh, drinking this beer, I think season two, Harrison and I were fortunate in that we, we had some pretty exciting beers come across the podcast. Yeah. Um, drinking this one as delicious as it is, there's no lactose, there's no right. double dry hopping. Thank gosh for this one. Um <laughs> A couple of, you know, we always kind of try and maintain Harrison and I a presence in the Drinking Socially Facebook group. And I always, I, I, I find that inspiring to see what everyone's talking about there. A couple of my favorite bullet points uh, earlier around Christmas time, Catherine posted a gift from her manager and it was like yeah. six or seven or even Fill maybe it. more like awesome beer cans and bottles. I think that in a world where buying Christmas gifts becomes more of an obligation, the older I get, right. beer's an awesome outlet for that. Yeah. Hopefully you enjoyed those, Catherine. I was jealous. Yeah, um, good stuff. And one of the questions we posed was just like beer trends that people are looking forward to in 2020. Mm-hmm. Harrison and I are going to kind of elaborate on that later in the show. But yep. really exciting responses from a lot of the people in the group we asked around at work. Yeah. Um, Last bullet point for the Drinking Socially group comes from Jared. And this was a cool question, honestly. Yeah. It, is there a reason a brewery would not put a brewed on date on their products? Sure. Um, and I mean, every brewery is probably going to have a different answer, but I immediately said we should ask Harrison about this one. Yeah, and I answered it part, you know, partially in the the thread on in the group. So again, if you're not part of that group, jump on in there. All are, uh, all are welcome, but... Um, to kind of elaborate on it a little bit more, it is, so if it's a large regional brewery or even like a large brewery that gets mostly distribute, distributed across most of your state, I mean, it's big enough and, um, you know, has and been around for a bit, they should have a, a brewed on date or a packaged on or a bottled on or a best buy date, something like that on there. But for a lot, most of the breweries that are smaller, independent just starting in year one or two maybe they don't have their own canning line and they rent one maybe they just got one like it's it's an investment like we didn't get one at neshemini creek until we were around for probably four or five years and we would pack we had cans we'd pack tech which is just a that plastic kind of six-pack holder you've probably seen for cans it's come it's the pack text name of the company that makes it uh, most of them we'd like put stickers on them with the dates for the six pack, 
But it just like when you're looking at what do we need to get a bunch of grain and a bunch of hops or this, you know, $70,000 laser machine. It's like, well, right now we <laughs> need right, as, as exciting as lasers are and, uh, and, and all that stuff. Um, you know, you kind of need the ingredients and that's just what you'd prioritize. And I imagine most breweries, again, if they're on the smaller side or they're growing or they're new, it's not something that just comes with your bottle or your can or like most of the time it's an addition or you it costs more when you get it and like considerably more at least. And that was when I was told is it was enough to be like, I mean, I remember when I was there, the different companies that came in that we talked to that gave us quotes, it was like four or five different companies. Like we took a lot of time trying to figure it out um, because it was a, a pretty legit investment. Um, so that's probably why it's just, you know, the barrier there being budget priorities and other things coming first before that. Now I did make the point of like, you know, it's, it is really important to do. And that's why we would, every time we packaged a beer, we would take a whole case and put it in our lab that had the batch number, the date we canned all that stuff on it. So if there was ever an issue in the field or we just wanted to see, I mean, we do it for, I've mentioned before, we did a lot of tests in-house. We Every month, Wednesday, we do sensory tests. And a lot of that came from like, all right, this is our pale ale we packaged six months ago compared with one that we packaged last week. Put them back next to each other. What do we taste? What's different? Why do we think it's different? That sort of stuff. So help with education, help with like the quality control we do, knowing at any given moment that every beer we had out in distribution somewhere, we could go into the in our office and go, okay, if something's goofy going on out there, we can test it here and kind of see how we can learn from that. Now, that never happened while I was there, but you want to be thinking like that. Um, you know, if you, you know, it's it kind of, to me, it was, a, I, I knowing we did that in the back of my head, I was like, you know, it was something that I took a lot of pride in knowing we cared enough about our product and the per- consumer's experience with it to cover, you know, just to make sure that if, if there was ever an issue, we could figure it out and make sure it never happened again. And that's how you do that. And you don't know, you can't track that unless you're tracking when it's been packaged. So it's important, but easily you could see why other things are more important to a brewery that's trying to grow, pay their employees, all that stuff. 70 grand is, you know, two people's, you know, whole salaries for a year if you're working at a brewery. Right? <laughs> really so, true. So, uh. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just a decision you have to make. But that's probably why you're seeing that. Jared and anyone else who's seen it. A lot of people commented on that. Tough question to answer for sure. Every brewery might make that decision based on something, a different reason. But as a consumer, I can definitely agree, you know, telling me when to drink it by is nice, but telling me when you made it, that's yeah, that's sure. valuable information for me as the consumer. But still, I understand the nature of the economics that go into just getting that beer in a can and on the shelf. One of the uh, interviews we have kind of queued up for season three is with yes. a brewer in North Carolina who has opted to kind of say, I'm going to spend a little extra money. All of his six pack right. holders right. are yeah. essentially made of uh, fish food. We live on the coast and he yeah. brews on the coast. So um, I'm really excited to get him in here and kind of talk about how he made those decisions um, to say he was going to spend a little bit extra on packaging yeah. and yeah. Uh, hopefully have a better footprint for it. Sure. Yeah, I'm excited for that. It'll be great. So keep an eye and an ear out for that coming up. 
One of the things I know you were excited about, Harrison, and oh, yeah. we, <laughs> uh, Untap finally released uh, some new core badges. Yeah. I know it was uh, <laughs> everybody gets a little anxious, right? Right. Um, and they finally went live like right before the Christmas season. I know they've been unlocked a lot. Um, Harrison kind of it broke it down with me. We were talking about it earlier, essentially. So. Uh, not to read from texts, but we've got Wake Up and Smell the Coffee, which is a badge for drinking into coffee stouts and porters. Beyond the Shadow of a Stout is for checking into any variant style of a stout, which is great because of, most of us have maxed out our stout badge. Yep. <laughs> um, Shake It Up uh, goes for any milkshake style, milkshake IPA, double milkshake pale ale. The next one was really exciting. Past the guac. Uh, you check into a venue that has a category of a Mexican restaurant. That I mean, that's, uh, I think, I'm, I'm, I checked into a lot of Coronas last that's year. What I was I'm, say. Ex- I'm excited to earn the guac badge. <laughs> and then the fifth new one they released was You Don't Know Brett, which uh, you have to check into a beer with the style Brett Beer or American Wild. All those are levelable up to 100, and all of those were voted on by you guys. We're already starting voting for the next badge updates. We'll put a link in the show notes. But um, as we look through those, there's definitely some trends people were talking about in 2020. I hope we come back to regular beer styles. There's lactose and everything. What if I'm lactose intolerant? Uh, But I think these badges kind of reflect the the world we're drinking in right now, the coffee beer and the shadow of a stout badge. Mm -hmm. I'm going to max those out hopefully before the end of this year. And the Brett beer, yeah, the American Wild is getting some love, which is great. I mean, it's all, yeah, they're all excited, but you're right. Nice love for stouts on two levels with the wake up and smell the coffee and then beyond a shadow of a stout you could be doing double work there every time you check in a coffee stout you're also moving on up in the shadow of a stout as well as wake up and smell the coffee so they're great and most ipas are one style that i've like been hesitant to dive too deep into this will probably get me though to check in a couple more of them so that's what they're there for to help you explore and make it fun along the way um, and this is yeah, another great, great batch of core badges. Excited to see what's next, but also check all these guys out. One kind of fun game I used to play <laughs> in my early days at Untapped was like, how do you earn? Been years ago, like earning three badges in one beer right. was that sure. was. I would figure out a way to screenshot that and post right. it on Instagram right. myself. <laughs> this particular, so I'm I'm thinking this through. You have to drink a breaded coffee milk stout with lactose at a Mexican restaurant, you still yeah. it won't fall in the shake it yeah, up yeah, for IPAs, that, but, but uh, a breaded coffee milk stout at a Mexican restaurant, I think that'll get you four out of, four five. Out of five. That's good. That's a heck of a Mexican right. restaurant. That's an, it goes well with tacos too. It sounds like <laughs> that'd be a good combo there. <laughs> um, I think on, on Untapped's blog and most of what we saw on social, I think the coffee one's really exciting sure. and reasonably so. Sure. Yeah, that's probably what I'm most excited about. So got to get to work on that quickly in the near future. Um, going through that, that pretty much sums it up for our first beer. We're going to take a break for our show sponsor, uh, which is a, someone you should be familiar with. We're going to come back with the second beer and make sure to check the notes and start voting on the next round of badges. 
Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, more. Depending on how hot or cold you are, go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code PODCAST when you check out. That'll get 20% off anything you order. That's store.untapped.com. Use the coupon code PODCAST. 20% off for you. Plus, it lets them know that you guys are listening, and we love that here. All right, coming back from the ad, this beer I'm really excited about. I uh, agree that traditional styles of beer are more exciting to me in 2020 than they were in 2018 and 19, but I'm a son of a gun for (laughs) for whatever is happening with this beer. Uh, Harrison brought this one in for our first episode of season three in 2020. It's called Java Nog Cream Stout. Ayo. The name is almost oppressive or scary, but it sounds like eggnog, and I'm 100% in. Uh, Harrison, where'd you get this guy? What's going on with yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So this this one comes to us from Haw River Farmhouse Ales. It is described as a stout, so milk, milk stout. It's also got coffee in it, though. So 7.2% ABV, 48 IBUs from... However, we learned this is aged nine months in Spanish rum barrels, then finished with Mexican vanilla, fresh grated nutmeg, and a beautiful Mezco Los Cotores coffee bean concentrate uh, from their friends at Joe Van Gogh Coffee in Hillsboro. So a lot of cool stuff going on. Coffee, stout. There's a couple things happening right now um, that that we can uh, take advantage of with those new badges. But um but yeah, this this is cool. There are a couple of variants of it. There's like a fruitcake version we try to get our hands on and run successful. But excited to kind of just check uh, check Java Nog out. Let's let's hear this guy. What's he got to say? Ooh, yeah, beautiful. Ooh, there it is. Uh, tan, just creamy foam, <laughs> uh, mainly all over my hand after yep. that. One. Hell, <laughs> you know, par for the course. But looks good. It's gonna fill the whole room up with. All this awesome barrel age magic, um, yeah, rum barrels. That's like, I mean, obviously, yeah, powerful flavor. Not that bourbon isn't and wine isn't and all that stuff, but um, rum gets me going, fires me <laughs> up. So you feel like a pirate, right, or something. Like I should be left on an island for sure. Sometimes I have too much of it. Um, Rum's I, not a barrel that I. I mean, that's you just don't see it that much. Ten percent of barrel aged beers Maybe. that I've seen. Yeah, we did. What did we put? We put our actually. Funny enough, we did a coconut milk stout. Or sorry, we did a milk stout and we did variants of it. And one of them put coconut in, and then also barrel ages. There was a coconut barrel aged milk stout that Ashemini Creek released called Coconut Barrel Aged Mud Bank, something like that. Anyway. Um, so yeah, but that was the only time we touched rum, uh, if I remember, maybe, well, maybe one other time, but anyway, yeah, I don't see it as much as bourbon, whiskey, wine, um, but yeah, powerful flavor, of course, so pumped to check this out, and um, we thought it was fun, you know, seasonal eggnog, or as my kids call it, Christmas juice, or Christmas water, or Christmas <laughs> milk. <laughs> Ooh, eggnog and cereal, now that's right. a Christmas They're morning. They're living the high life, they, wow. they, they wake up and start flying around the house with the breakfast they have, it's mostly sugar, um, <laughs> why not, when you can, while you can, um, no, but yeah, this... Uh, this guy looks great. I mean, as John said, 
tan head, nice carbonation to it, pitch black. Let's get a get a nose in here. Ooh. Doesn't smell like eggnog, smells like an angry Mexican coffee. All right. I get like a lot of what is that? The vanilla of from the Mexican vanilla and the rum is hitting me quick in the nose. This beer is ready for a fight. It, that, that's a well described. <laughs> right. it, uh, it it smell it smells angry. Right. This is this is you know your neighbor throwing his you know Christmas lawn ornaments into the yard at two in the morning for some reason. This is the reason. Ooh, actually, I actually am getting a little bit of like an eggnog note. I just I don't know if my I'm incepting myself. There was one little quick something where my brain went, hold on. Are you Could also smelling eggnog? eggnog? Remains from the mustache. Could be. There's all kinds of stuff in here. Let's get a taste. Let's see what's happening. That's a good idea. Let's dive <laughs> in. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Wow. There's so much going on in there. Ooh. Hmm. Okay. Yep. So the coffee's coming. There. And I. And then it kind of finishes. There's like a nutmeg kind of knocking on the back door saying, hey, let me into this thing. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> I wish this was an animated description. <laughs> Someone will probably do it. But, um, but uh, yeah, okay. Wow, great uh, body. You know, I wonder, and this has lactose in it too. And that, we just talked about the kind of how polarizing that's become. And rightfully so. And I know I've mentioned before, but I'll say it again. That, that that sugar, that milk sugar, really came into the beer world in the stouts. So that's where you started seeing it first. And a lot of Russian imperial stouts that were made by breweries I won't name that did not label themselves They just kind as, of snuck it in there. They snuck it in there. It's kind of, they knew it was like hot. It was a warm beer. It was a hot beer. And that kind of took the edge off, was brewing with a little bit of lactose. So to me, this is... This kind of takes me back to some of the early stouts I started brewing at um, some of the first brewers I worked at, where we did a huge Russian Imperial that we added lactose to um, for those reasons. But this, to me, this is a welcome place for lactose. I'm digging it. it um, the <clears throat> silky right. in the mouthfeel. Right. Yep. I mean, like a, like that cup of coffee you have that, that you just say, oh, my gosh, this was well-made. Mm, smooth, um, right. Re- really lends uh, the lactose is used well there the flavors are what i'm having a hard time uh nailing down mm-hmm. i'm getting like i was worried it would be overpowered coconut rum and coming at me and i was trying to get to try and fight through that i'm not it's there i'm getting like more of a booze note than a specific rum note i'm getting like that warm kind of caramel toasted thing happening hmm Warm, like I think bourbon barrel, I always equate that with coffee flavors, really smooth, really kind of sweet melted caramel. This one comes out like, uh, I mean, just like white. I mean, like a, mm. like a little bit more hot, right? Right. I get that. I get that rum. And probably it's because I drank rum too much in high school and now <laughs> I can't handle it. Um, Taking you back. But, <laughs> yep. Um, so that, that initial flavor from the rum barrels, uh, hits me, but 
it's immediately displaced by, I can find the vanilla in there and the coffee. They said they mm-hmm. use a coffee bean concentrate, right? which I haven't mm-hmm. seen labeled brew. that before, but right. it, I, it hits, the coffee is yeah, like it in is there. Imp- impacted, yeah. Um, yeah, it's impactful, definitely. And, you know, Hot River, so this beer, monthly 107 check-ins, 1,300-plus total um, from more than 1,100 different people. It's pretty solid. Carries a 3.96 rating on a tapped. Um, but, yeah, most recently, I mean, people are checking it in like nine minutes ago as of us recording nice. this podcast. So it's kind of tis the season. Um, and, yeah, that so they have the Java Fruit Cake variant of it i feel like they have a, a couple more but i could be wrong i thought uh i thought they just did like a a year-round java version of this oh they said so the java lantern so there's a, a, a pumpkin version of this um so this is a, a beer they have a lot of fun with which is which is great and these um, guys haw river they're out of i would say sax saxapaha, saxapaha. Mm-hmm. Um, north carolina uh, it, it sounds like uh, it sounds like a, 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 a 1950s uh, TV show. Sure, like Shenandoah, yeah, yeah. Bonanza, out in Saxabaha, North Carolina. <laughs> but the artwork that goes onto their bottles oh, I is—I yeah. mean—it's incredible illustrated. They're most known for Saint Benedict's Breakfast, which is a Belgian double. And then if you read through the the beers that get checked in the most, Belgian Pale, Farmhouse Saison, Belgian mm-hmm. Triple, Belgian mm-hmm. Strong Golden, Belgian IPA. So you can kind of get a feeling that these guys have set up shop in that French-Belgian-inspired oh, yeah. uh, bre- brewing uh, methodology, mm-hmm. which is nice because in a world where I can find a cinnamon coconut stout and nine times out of ten, it tastes like a cinnamon coconut sweet roll. Right. This one with a Belgian inspiration, for lack Could of a better be, term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't strike me as a very sweet, overpowering, cloying stout, not which sometimes I love, but this oh, yeah. is a nice change of pace. Yeah, this is not a pastry stout or anything like that. If you're maybe wondering with all the stuff we mentioned in it, absolutely would not qualify it as that. And they do, just to run through these, so they have Java Berry Cream Stout. Where they put 800 pounds of fresh blueberries in this base here, Java Hollow, which is like a coconut, more coconutty version, toasted roasted barley. And that one, they have Java Nog, which we're having today, Java Lantern, as I mentioned, the fruitcake. And I saw one more. Oh, the Java Q. So it's like a barbecue version of this beer. Oh, so man. Definitely the, living it up. This beer, they're having, a, again, a real fun time kind of exploring what it can do and um, and so that's that now as we're I'm talking about this has become a probably a, a quest I will go on in 2020 to have all the variants of this beer. So follow along <laughs> as I do that. But yeah, all their beer I've had from Hot River has been really good, really impressive stuff. Do a lot of you know uh, bottle condition things. Absolutely French and Belgian inspired. Um, well, not shying away from the fact that they're in the South. The Java Q being a great uh, example of that. Um, and that beer or that, that kind of combination of worlds. And yeah, this one is, it's, you're right. It's, uh, it feels very, I don't know, like sophisticated. It feels like it's not trying to dazzle you with a crazy amount of adjuncts and, and too many flavors to comprehend. I'm really excited to drink it over the next couple of minutes. And as it warms up, see what comes out, because I think that's going to, it's just going to keep, it will keep changing. Already I can, it's change, it's it's already kind of changing for me. Initially it's mouthfeel as it warms up. And 
uh, kind of just a really cool story about Haw River. They, they're on a farm. They're, I guess, in my head, I would equate them to like a farm brewery, which sure. you see more of in the last couple of years yeah, yeah. here in the States. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but they run, I mean, more the, the intro to their kind of about Haw River begins with true sustainability means more than just recycling cups or using fancy light bulbs. It's about contributing jobs, optimizing resourceful, responsible ingredients, working with neighbors in your community. And they, I mean, they definitely go above and beyond to try and make sure that not only are they buying their coffee locally, but they're connecting that local coffee roastery with the person they buy their blueberries from. And they're making mm-hmm. these, I mean, I think in a, in a, in a world where a brewery is a business and a business is a citizen, these guys are great neighbors. And yeah. I love seeing that they're really kind of passionate about more than mm-hmm. just beer, building their community up as well. Yep. We've talked before about how breweries used to be kind of the center of that town or that community that they were in. And that's one thing to say that. It's one, and, and, and when you say it, you mean, I hope everyone comes and drinks here on a Friday. It's, yeah. a di- it's different to be like, yeah, like you said, work with other local suppliers when you can actually support those other businesses with your business. And that's what they do in pretty much all their beers, if not all of them, uh, in some, whether it's a grain, a hop, a, an adjunct, whatever it is, um, locally, which, uh, would, yeah, as you said, John, fan, like you there, fantastic stuff. And this is opening up. It's way different now than it was you know, five minutes ago. Um, it's just, I'm getting more of like the, uh, hmm. It almost more more vanilla is coming out. You're right. It's smoother. It's almost the mouthfeel has changed a bit. It's not as heavy. You know, it's tough to cut the vanilla Mexican vanilla they have in here from the rum barrels for me right now. I'm kind of just tasting it's, vanilla. I mean, a lot of times I say that I like balance in a beer. Sometimes with the, when there's a lot of adjuncts, I look for one to just sing a little bit brighter. Th- this is well-balanced in these, as it's warmed up, Mm -hmm. the vanilla mixes with the coffee, mixes Mm -hmm. with the rum, and it just, it's hard for me to pinpoint where one begins and one stops, which honestly is is quite an awesome accomplishment. Right, it's really, yeah, that's a good thing. And it's 7.2%. This is not 9%, 10%, 11%. It's sitting there at a, a more drinkable rate, and that translates to also that kind of the, you're not, the mouthfeel doesn't feel like engine oil where you're exhausted after drinking a little bit of it. Like you can keep going back again and again um, and trying some more of it and not feel like you're kind of trying to, to chug something down you you shouldn't be. So um, that's also cool too. Couldn't, I wanted to point that out that it definitely is playing to the drinkability of this a little bit where it doesn't feel like an overwhelming mountain I'm struggling to climb. It's, it's enjoyable, uh, all the aspects of it. Speaking of an overwhelming mountain, I'm trying to climb. Mm-hmm. Um, not Sisyphus, but Good. please um, don't. Didn't work out well. <laughs> still, still, <laughs> still not, not working out well. Still there. Um, Rocks gotten smaller. One of the really cool things I, th- or at least, all right, this is self uh, self praise, but I thought I had this really cool idea over Christmas because I'm with my family, and you know, one of them only drinks 
regular old commercial beer. The other one wants to drink the coolest IPA in the world. And his wife only wants to drink gin. So I have all these <laughs> growlers yeah, and yeah. I'm not a really good bartender, but what I ended up doing is just mixing up some cocktails and putting them into growlers and bringing those and just like a four pack of my favorite beer, putting the growlers in the fridge Thought it was a great way to reuse old things, and man, were those tough. Don't make don't make a sixty four ounce Manhattan. That's, <laughs> that's too much, too much for any family. As we learned, right? There's a lot of towards. I think towards the middle of the day on Christmas, everybody was just kind of begging never to drink again. Yeah, wow. which is my poor segue into Harrison's point about uh, dry January. Dry January. So we're going to talk about that. I can hear the groans. Um, from me. <laughs> right, from everyone. Well, from, anyway, probably if you're listening to this, what? Because my initial, so this is obviously the common, if you don't know, the common practice of abstaining from alcohol during the month of January to kind of kickstart the new year and the new you and and do that in a healthy way and target alcohol is the thing you should uh, should kick out of your life. So, um, and for me, so love to hear from you guys if you're doing it out there, if you've done it in the past. I never have. What I used to do was take February off because it's a shorter month <laughs> and it was after the Super Bowl. So I could like, you know, because I mean, January alone, it's it's really like a, it's, um, it's a fun month, a lot of beers. It's cold out. Like if you love stouts and porters and some of the beers you're drinking tonight, this is like the heyday. This is when my, if I drink out of my cellar, it's now. Like it's when it's cold and dark and and it's dark at 3 p.m. And let's have a burble barrel aged out at five and I can actually handle it that night and get up and go to work the next day. So um, I, you know, I really enjoy it uh, to this month in particular, but I have done the kind of, Sober February, if you will, um, which is you know been fine. How about you, John? Have you dabbled in uh, in this at all? I have moments of uh, abstinence, abstinence, sure. Um, <laughs> generally, from like the morning of the day till the mid evening of the day. <laughs> Good. Um, so I'm not necessarily a dry January, but usually a dry early part of the day, right. almost all year all long. That's impressive. Good for you. See? <laughs> <laughs> Why pack it into one month? You can spread it out. The first I, half of the day. Uh, as a person that uh, uh, grew up in, in in an environment where you would frequently give up something that you loved right. for 40 days, sure. um, I, I'm used to the concept there. Right. I think dry January was introduced by me to a friend in the UK. I think that's kind of where recently it, okay. it began. Um, it was kind of practiced in the United Kingdom. Um, I can't say it was probably just health concerns or like a big public health campaign, I'm sure, that would have said, we're going to do this dry January, sober up for January. Mm. Um, I know that it's gone on now for it'll be uh, through this January, it'll be about the fifth or sixth like public year of dry January okay. over in the UK. And right. you see people do it here. Sure. New year, new me, That's gym right. memberships. All that. I I would pre- this is incredibly subjective and personal. I would preach personal responsibility and moderation right, all the time. Don't <laughs> drink twenty one stouts on Friday and think you can have a dry rest of the week and make right. up for that. <laughs> right, just spread them out. Um, right. That that right. that's my pitch for dry January. 
but I think it's, it's anytime you can just kind of like use a speaking, whether it's a political, nope. Um, (laughs) Anytime you can use a a public voice to get people to think about what they're doing. That's, that's generally good. Sure. A whole month off of stouts when we're pumping out some of the best stouts of the year, not going to happen for me, but I'll give you a sober Monday for sure. For sure. Every once in a while. I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, yeah, for all the, all those same reasons. And, you know, to put some data or at least some anecdotes behind this, I've seen, I think, pretty much, and you can Google this, please do. I did once um, long ago. And remember that, like, if you, the benefit of it was negligible, if not, like, detrimental, meaning, like, maybe you stopped drinking booze every night, but then you had a ice cream sundae every day instead. Like, there was that end-of-the-day desire to kick up, take your shoes off, and have do something to kind of just take your mind off the world for a bit, which is great. And if it wasn't, you know, alcohol anymore, it became a chocolate cake or something like that. Like, the calories didn't change much. There's a cool study that I read. I don't know. Maybe we can find it for the, the notes. But um, we're like, yeah, they're... If you're going to take something out near short term, you're going to re- probably want to replace it with Find something it. else. As, as long as you, I mean, Untap's a good document, right? You can go back, you can look, and you <laughs> right. can see. Uh, as long as you're not uh, Pavel, sorry to throw you under the bus, <laughs> uh, your year in beer was amazing. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, you know, just keep your, keep your vices under control. That's the advice I would give any friend in the world, but I would never tell them how to live their life. Right. Sure. So, yeah. You do you obviously, but, um, I think better to join the gym, start running more as opposed to just, you know, trying to take something out and thinking that will have a, a huge positive benefit. Although, w- what do we know? We're not doctors. We should say we're not, we're not health professionals. hundred <laughs> percent. Consult your local witch doctor for your own your own uh, yeah more solid advice. Another uh, subject of I guess subjective review here for John and Harrison. Uh, we asked. We actually started by polling people that work at Untapped mm-hmm. and asking them about beer trends they maybe saw coming in 2020. And everybody's initial answer is, if I knew what beer trends were coming in 2020, I'd open a brewery. Um, but the data can point to certain directions. Your opinion will point to certain directions. So then we asked our friends on Untapped. Uh, Facebook group for drinking socially, and the responses. We, you know, there was some interesting or i guess smart outliers uh sure the first response comes from alan who said i'm looking forward to the rise of the clean beer lagers and we kind of said like sure not predictions what are you looking forward to in 2020 right um dj made a post about like maybe not specifically a beer style trend but i'd like to see 16 ounce variety pack cans yep which would be there's only sure. one brewery I can think of that did a variety pack of four 16 ounce cans, and it was three of the same stout and one of them with a oh. whole bunch of ghost peppers. Right, in right, it. right. It was fun, but yeah. if I could pick up a four pack, that I think that's a great idea. Harrison, yeah, right. you were talking about something sure. about Costco. Was yeah, doing. I mean, yeah. I mean, if DJ, if you have a Costco membership, Sweetwater Brewing Company out of Georgia, they have uh, a variety pack there of four different 16 ounce cans of their beer. It's usually like 420 and, you know, their IPA probably. And then 
um, two other rotating ones that changes seasonally when you go to, you know, depending on when you go to Costco. So that's one way to go kind of experience it now, but I'm right there with you. I mean, it's such a great vessel to enjoy a beer out of, to have a little, why not? Why not have the variety pack go to 16 ounce cans as most other or 19.2 ounce cans, the smokestack variety pack that has their Steve pipe, whatever, stove pipe, whatever it's called. Yeah. Stove pipe. <laughs> yeah, one of those things. But yeah, I, I hear you. Um, and I'm sure, I, I, you know, I bet you someone will do it. I know, what was it? Sweetwater, again, also put out their guide beer in 16 ounce, I think 18 packs, which was their like lager, their 4% lager, which I that's a, that's enjoyed. A lot of this beer. Summer, it's a lot of beer. Um, so well, that was sweet, drinkable. But super yeah. drinkable. It was like my, for a hot minute there in the summer, that was my go to. Um, so yeah, so Sweetwater's making some moves there. Um, I'm sure they won't be alone though. That's a good one. I would I'd put my money on that happening uh, happening somewhere. Um, the, another, uh, kind of hopeful prediction I saw was, uh, outliers again, Matthew mentioned ordering beer off the internet. will yep. take another big step forward. Yep. And I sure hope For so, sure. man. I order everything I can off the internet. Right. Now. And <laughs> if right. I could Why would get you? Why would you? Why would six you? pack delivered. I know state to state and legality and distribution, yeah. much less country to country. Sure. L- the legal system. God bless it, is what I think is holding us right. back in is. having right. online ordering for beer. Sure. Reasonably so. If I was 16, I would place a giant order for a 13% stout, and I would you know, cough and open the door in my dad's robe, and I would say, just, just inside, inside, I'm still tired from working. Right. And I would try and buy beer on the internet all the time. But right. I would love the uh, – I mean, you have right. sites like um, Tavor and Craft Shack, yeah. Um, where, I mean, Tavor has an awesome program where they buy and sell beer based on the untapped rating. Right. And um, that's, yes, more online beer. Yeah, I think it's going that way. You're right. There's some legal legal things in the way, but that you just, someone throws enough money at that and that disappears. So <laughs> um, we'll just see when it happens. If it's this year or not, I don't know. But you're, you're, I, yeah, that is the future. I don't think you can really debate that. Um, overall, though, so aside from there's probably a couple other outlying predictions that people are looking forward to, but I think the majority opinion can be paraphrased in saying, I'm looking forward to going back to the roots, if you will, some yes. traditional style beers. There were kind of references made to Germany's done this for 500 plus years. I think they've got yep. it figured out. Yep. Let's, let's sure. celebrate some German lagers. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Go back to a stout for stout sake without a whole bunch of adjuncts. Yep. Yes. I mean, it's, it's tough. When I go grocery shopping, I want to buy ketchup. And then you show me ketchup with jalapenos. Right. And then you show me ketchup chipotle version. Right. Uh, why would I buy regular old ketchup? But right. sometimes it's just it's what you need for your French fries. That's right. I am right there with you, Don. And it's interesting. A lot of the, the things that you guys told us about that we just kind of covered there, I feel like for the past four years when some industry magazine asks – 10 random brewers, what they want to see. It's like more Pilsners, more traditional beers, less crazy stuff in beer. It's like the industry has wanted what now we're hearing a lot of the 
you guys and, and you know, us, the consumer side, wants too. So that'd be cool if that actually lined up and the demand was there for just some a lot of classics. Just bring back the West Coast IPA all over the place. I'm on board. I'd love to see to that. some bitter on old old school West That's Coast right. IPA. Right. What a sentence. But here we are saying it, 2020, but the I, future. Yeah, I mean, like, we, we kind of made mention or alluded to some of this in season two where the the, the brewers like um, Dogfish Head and Sierra and the some of the guys that will be credited for kind of creating the craft movement. In the beginning, everybody said, why don't you just, you know, put Bud Light on tap. You've always had Bud Light on tap. Put Bud Light on 20 of your taps. Mm-hmm. All six. No one had 20 taps. Um, right, and right. these guys were the ones saying, I'm tired of the same. I want to do something different. And now we're in a world where you have more craft brewers than there's ever been in in the United States, but they're all starting to do similar styles and similar beers. So I think we are kind of at that turning point where you may see people that are going back to where a brown ale uh, without raspberries is now an exciting uh, new it thing. It is exciting. Um, it is exciting, John. You know, I had that experience almost every every weekend where I'll go to my you know favorite local bottle shop and look at their freezer fridge door, not freezer fridge door, <laughs> fridge door that has you know all their porters and stouts in it, and I'll be able to find maybe one that's just a porter or just a stout that doesn't have coffee or bourbon yeah. or it's barrel aged or it's imperial or whatever it is. Like when I just want a nice dark beer to break up all the IPAs I'm having and I just want it to be a, a straightforward porter or stout, my choices now are very limited. So that's with most things, kind of course corrections as they call it, or, you know, they happen. Um, where the feedback comes from, hard to track. It's different case to case, but this is great. And I mean, certainly the data inside untapped that, you know, you guys are, are seeing and stuff it's uh, and sharing with us today, definitely a, a nice kind of way to, to look at some of those things, trending beers worldwide, top styles, all that stuff to look at on the user end. It may, um, may kind of foreshadow some of those things to come, but great to hear from you. I mean, this is fun to yeah, kind of hear how, like I said, Things that breweries have been asking for for a while, their fans are asking for it too. So let's see what happens next. Totally. Course correction, great. I mean, mm-hmm. the um, it, you, you can't keep doing the same thing all the time. Eventually, <laughs> right. someone, if you were drinking craft beer five or ten years ago, none of your friends understood that. Now, hopefully, you drink craft beer with your friends over right. New Year's right. and everybody celebrates um, wrapping this episode up, our last new segment introduction um, is going to be one of Harrison and my, that's probably incorrect, one of our favorite <laughs> things from the past <laughs> is a would you rather. Oh, I'm um, looking forward to uh, pestering mm. Harrison with a would you rather uh, every other week for 2020. It's going to be good. This particular question Simple, but complicated as they all are. (laughs) Harrison, would you rather have a new beer in your can every time you opened it Mm. or only your one favorite beer every time you opened every can? Wow. Wow. That would be 
Interesting. And to be fair, how it's worded is every time you drink a beer, if it's every can I ever open is my favorite beer, that is the world I want to live in. No, no, <laughs> okay. more, no more sodas. No more. <laughs> uh, much, much like the king that turned everything to gold. <laughs> right. Every beer you touch turns into your yep. favorite beer, which yep. is probably Sierra Nevada Pale Ale or yeah. Celebration. Yep. That's the only beer that ever passes your lips forever. It's delicious. <sighs> or... Every time you drink a new a beer, it's, it's something brand new. Man, that is that is the crossroads. That is the uh, yeah. That's a t- I mean, you're right. Simple, but I'm I'm being pulled towards my favorite beer every time. Which you're right, probably would be Sierra Nevada or Two Hearted or something like that. Um, oh man, because every time it's different. Although, who doesn't want to live that kind of a random world that would life, be. yeah. Of just every day is roulette. And why don't breweries package cans and just not right, label blankly? Them? Right, <laughs> if only exactly right. That, that would don't be. do that. No, <laughs> I mean, sure, I buy them. I definitely be like, buying. Them. Sure, I think. Yeah, if you, yeah. I don't know how you get it approved legally. It would have a bunch <laughs> of white label, empty label variety Beer. pack of sixteen four to twenty percent. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> right, but that would be. You're right. That's a good point. I mean, when I go to a bar, I look at like not the first beer I'm going to drink, but the three beers I'm going to have while I'm there and plan which one to have first, second, and third, which may be kind of nerdy, but I do it. So I like knowing the future. If I just got a can that's magic and opens up and I have no idea if it's a 12% stout or a, you know, a near beer every time I have it or a hibiscus cider, that I don't know if I would like that much variety. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> too too much variety. Will that scare you away from variety right. overall? It might. Although, you know, just like we said, course correction, maybe I'll be scared in the beginning and then have like a, a Rocky-like montage where I'm training and opening <laughs> multiple cans and chugging them with a blindfold on and from smell identifying, you know, cider, stout, porter. And then I become master of the unknown, and I get to the wear a cape. Cicero. <laughs> I get to wear the cape all the time. Um, that would be exciting if I really embraced it, and uh, my beard got bigger because of it, and I knew the secrets <laughs> of the universe. Yeah, maybe that's the journey I want to take. But this is the ultimate crossroads, as I said, because I can also see myself sitting on a beach with my feet up, just drinking Sierra Nevada Pale Ale forever, and and closing the chapter on variety and slowly everything turns to grayscale and, or you know, whatever sepia tones and <laughs> things get dimmer across my life. Although I don't think that would happen. Maybe talking about it, the wizard in the Cape sounds kind of fun. Maybe I, and montages are always enjoyable. Maybe I'm going for drink a new beer. Every time I drink a beer, I'm going to do that, John, I'm going to 2020 new me. I think Let's I think that's the it. winner. I think do it. as much as I would love to have my standard go to every single time, <laughs> much like everything, dry January right. moderation. Right. Uh, after after one week, six months, five years of drinking the same beer, yeah. uh, that's that I, I would take the risk of having a hibiscus cider every sure. once in a while sneak up on me. Right, and that's fine. Um, and it, maybe I look forward to it. Maybe I'm chasing that hibiscus cider and I'm just cracking open beers left and right to find it again. <laughs> yeah. Either way, uh, I very much hope this question perplexes you as you wait for the next episode of Drinking yeah. Socially. right. 
In the meantime, thanks so much for listening along. Show notes are going to be published and available probably wherever you listen to this podcast, but you can find them live and linked at podcast.untap.com. If you have any question or feedback, connect with Untap directly on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Ask about drinking socially or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash drinking socially. And we'll see you in two weeks. Cheers. Cheers.